This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey, this is Trey. Thank you for joining us for another Thursdays with Trey. Uh, lots going on in the world. Um, some of it good, uh, some of it maybe not so good. And then most of it probably depends on perspective or what we focus on. But what I'm going to focus on are your questions. This is one of the highlights of my week because uh, I get to hear what's on your mind and it makes me think and uh you would think by now it would help me kind of um, narrow down my ability to express myself, but there's been no evidence of that yet. So I'm going to try really hard today to work on that. Mary Langston, how are you? I'm doing great, Trey. How are you? I have no complaints. Thank you. Wonderful. You were right. It is a highlight of the week. I'm so grateful that they send us their questions. Uh, I am too. I'm, I'm grateful people are, are still willing to talk to me. So <laughs> Same here. I'm so grateful they're willing to talk to me too. Via email and via you. I, I will take it any way I can get it. Yes, sir. Well, football is getting closer. Are you ready? Uh, I am ready. Um, I guess we're like maybe a week away from what we used to call, you know, summer football practice, but now I think they call it tra uh, training camp, preseason camp they kind mm -hmm. of follow the vernacular of the pro teams and of course I had Shane Beamer on the podcast who's just one of the nicest human beings on the face of the earth mm -hmm. um, love talking to him and actually maybe one of the few people in this actually that's not true I bet there are a lot of people in South Carolina that like Shane Beamer and like Dabo Sweeney from Clemson but I'm in the category where I like both of them as a person I will not lie to you and tell you that I don't have a preference when they play each other, <laughs> but in terms of people uh, that you would want your children to be around, your children to play for, uh, to have as a next door neighbor, although I could not afford to live in either one of their neighborhoods, <laughs> it would be uh, both uh, Shane Beamer and Dabo Sweeney. I obviously pulled for South Carolina, grew up pulling for them, but had a kid that went to each school. And mm -hmm. would love to have Dabo on. Um, I went to I went to a practice with them one time, and then ate lunch with him after the practice in their mm -hmm. dining hall. And he has a son that is um, absolutely immersed and incredibly knowledgeable about presidential history. Hmm. I mean, like can name them all, can name them in the right order, and uh, wow, which I thought was fascinating. So I'm fascinated with football, and Dabo's son is fascinated with presidential history. So 
Mm-hmm. I guess we're all kind of fascinated by maybe what we didn't grow up exposed to. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And getting someone else's perspective, but you're right. They're both great positive role models that we need in life. Uh, they are. And I, you know, I don't want to like answer a question that nobody asked, but <laughs> uh, Connor Shaw was a great quarterback for South Carolina. He had a really good record against Clemson. Clemson was on the ascent. They were definitely uh, playing better at this point. And it was Connor Shaw's last game. And it was uh, Clemson may have even been favored. I'm not sure, but it was a really, really close game. And South Carolina somehow pulled out a victory and I'm watching it on television. Cause as you know, I, I, I don't go to the games anymore, mm-hmm. but I'm watching Dabo after the game. And you know, he's disappointed, you know, mm-hmm. that he, I mean, you lose to your biggest rival. I think they'd lost a couple in a row at that point. You want to get off the field. You want to go get ready for your ACC championship or your bowl game. And I watch him and he's, like scouring the football field. He's walking around. His team's headed to the locker room. The game's over. He's walking around. And he's walking around looking for Connor Shaw, mm-hmm. quarterback for South Carolina, so he can congratulate him on his career at USC and on winning the game. And that's the same Davos Winnie. They went up to Syracuse, I believe it was, hot, heavily favored to beat Syracuse. Somehow or another lost. It was a huge upset, a loss. And Nagam Dabo Sweeney goes into the opposing team's locker room after the game to congratulate them. Mm. I just, I just mean, politics could learn a lot from people in sports about how to handle yourself with grace and class, even, uh, even in defeat. So, that's mm-hmm. it. That's all the nice things I'm going to say about Clemson because I have a, <laughs> there's a quota on how many nice ones I can say. And I think I have reached my quota. Well, that was very kind. And I love that story. Well, Trey, we have some great questions today. Are you ready to get started? I think so. Okay. Wonderful. Our first question is from Judy in New York. She writes, although not politically based, but in light of the tragic loss of Phil Petty, What are your thoughts on losing so many of our young athletes seemingly to unexpected medical issues? Uh, Judy, that was um, so shocking and so sad and still is. Um, Phil Petty, for people that are not from South Carolina or maybe haven't followed it, he was a quarterback at the University of South Carolina. He played high school football at Bowling Springs, which is in Spartanburg County, which is the county I live in. He was by all accounts, you know, not just a great player, but a great teammate, a great husband, a great father. And he passed away within the past week in his early forties. And, you know, look, people are curious the way I look at it. It's none of my business. What the cause of death was, it's just, it's just none of my business. But the, the, the media accounts are that he died in the hospital after a sudden illness. In his early 40s, this is, you know, you don't play quarterback at the SEC level uh, and, not, and not be a really, really good athlete. So, you know, on the one hand, you know, athletes, especially at bigger schools, have access to health information and diagnoses and nutrition. And I can think of many, many athletes that, you know, made it through high school, but they got to college and they had a physical and they learned that they had a condition that they did not know they had. It may be a, 
a narrowing of the spinal column, which um, some people have run into. Uh, there was a really, really great Alabama wide receiver, uh, John Mechie, who was just diagnosed with leukemia. I think he was a first round pick. Mm-hmm. So these elite athletes at bigger schools, they do have access to health information and strength training and things the rest of us don't have. On the other hand, what they put the, their bodies through is, yeah, we can't imagine. I mean, can you, I, I can't imagine. I, I don't like walking to get my wife's newspaper in August. I, I don't like walking <laughs> down to the end of the driveway. I cannot imagine having two a days or practice in August. So mm-hmm. Judy, when I think about Phil Petty, I mean, there are like three things that come to mind. Number one, that life is fragile. It goes quickly in the best of times, and there's no guarantee for tomorrow, no matter who you are or what you have done in the past. Mm-hmm. And then the number two is uh, there is life when the lights go out. Uh, Phil Petty was a starting quarterback at a major SEC school. He played for legendary coaches. He was on the biggest stages when it comes to athletics. And then his time was up. And he was coaching high school football when he died. And, you know, not playing the night game on ESPN on a Saturday night. But I bet you he had more impact on the lives of young people as a high school football coach than he did throwing touchdowns in a bowl game. So there is life after you have had your moment of fame, your moment um, of attention. And if you read the eulogies about Phil Petty, you will see that his legacy was a whole lot more than spinning a football. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing I think about, I guess, when I, when I first uh, saw the article that Phil Petty had passed away, is since we don't know what will happen and when, um, we should be cognizant of the fact that we don't know what will happen and when. And you know, there have been a number of people that I never guessed when I saw them, it was going to be the last time I was going to see them. That I, I, I can think of 10 people right now that it never entered my mind. The last time I saw them would be the last time that I would ever see them. Mm-hmm. And yesterday I was talking to a friend of mine from Augusta, Georgia, a guy named Nick Evans, who's a wonderful, wonderful guy. And of course, Rob Chapman's name comes up. Rob was a very successful businessman in Spartanburg and an avid mm-hmm. golfer. And Rob's been gone for, you know, a couple of years now. And yet his name keeps coming up time and time again when I have conversations with people from other parts of the country. And I never thought the last time, you know, the last time I saw Rob Chapman was on a putting green at dusk at our golf course in Spartanburg. Mm -hmm. Never entered my mind that that would be the last time I would see him. But because Rob lived life like he might not see you again, he always went about leaving the best impression he possibly could, the best lingering sentiment. He treated you like this might be the last time. And that's probably how we should treat other people. Don't just mm-hmm. live life like there's no promise for tomorrow. Treat others externally like it might be the last time you see them because in some instances you'll be right well that is such good advice trey and i appreciate you sharing that it is tragic news but all of those points that you shared are encouraging for all of us that are still living to live out and embrace life 
So thank you, Trey. And thank you, Judy, for your question. I guess we'll move on to our next question. And it's from Steve in Florida. He writes, how do you think this divide in our country plays out? He also mentioned that he recently read your book. Um, well, he's done more than I have. I don't think I've read it. So how does it end? You know, I mean, does he get away at the end? Uh, thank <laughs> that's you, the Steve. next book. Yeah that's, yeah, that's the one after the next book. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Steve. Uh, there, uh, how does this divide play out? Uh, well, they're good endings and they're not so good endings, to be honest with you. Um, I don't know which one we will choose. Um, I've been, I read a book on Rome recently, and then I watched a documentary on Rome, and I'm sure at Rome's height, it never entered um, the collective minds of its leaders or citizens that we would be talking about uh, their dynasty, their empire in the past tense. I'm sure the Greeks didn't think that way. The Persians didn't think that way. So good endings and bad endings. Uh, number one, I guess we can start emphasizing our commonality rather than our differences. We can adopt a measure of respect for those with whom we disagree. And we can, with that and with time and working on it, we can remain the world's greatest republic. That's one possible outcome. Uh, number two, we can splinter, we can fight, we can assign, continue to assign the worst motives to one another. We can call our political opponents, Marxists and Nazis, and kind of limp towards decline and uh, hope that our leaders can kind of manage this decline, this descent, and prolong it. But it's inevitable. Um, and that would be because we believe there's no longer um, anything that we have in common upon which you can build a, a republic or a relationship. Uh, number three, there could be some cultural or spiritual or moral awakening in the country, some act of God or natural disaster or something that kind of forces you to reconnect with a larger truth than our own wants and desires and wishes. That uh, There could be something that causes us to see that freedom, while great, is really no substitute for truth, and we begin to pursue truth. Um just as vigorously as we do liberty and freedom. Um, but that's rare and um, it's an option. Not sure how viable it is. I guess number four, we could decide to part ways and like-minded states could go with like-minded states and we become a series of smaller geographic territories with security or defense agreements, but uh, trade agreements, but not much more. And I guess the last one, which is the one I would advocate for, but I don't, speaking of the book that I wrote, we could embrace the art of persuasion. We could really try to use fa facts and logic and reason to win the debate, not the argument, but the debate. But that requires us to be equally open to hearing from other people. Uh, that is my preferred ending. Uh, it's probably the one that is least likely to occur. Um, and, you know, I kind of, you know, you, you go back to these movies that we watch where there are couples that are in, you know, some of them are comedies that are not all like heavy because I watch more comedies than I do. Like I would never watch a movie that was really about like marriage counseling. I would never watch that, but they're comedies. 
So you sit down with a therapist and, you know, at some point you're going to be asked, do you even want this relationship to survive? I mean, do you, do you want it to? Because if you don't want it to, then it kind of makes you wonder why, why are we doing all this? So that's probably the first question people have to ask themselves is, do I want to coexist in a country, in a state, in a community with people who don't look like me, think like me, worship like me, vote like me? And if the answer is no, then I'm not willing to do any of those things, then you can predict whichever you know, you can pick whichever bad ending you want. And if you say, you know what? Uh, my life has been enriched by people I never, ever thought it would be enriched by. Never in a million years did I think that I would develop a relationship or friendship with someone with whom I seemingly have nothing in common. Then you might pick one of the other, you know, altern alternative endings. But the power is us to pick. I mean, we're surrounded by allies and oceans. It's not like somebody's going to come in and take us over. Mm. It's just, you know, what we decide to do. And um, everyone's going to have to have kind of a, a frank conversation with themselves about whether they would rather just surround themselves with like-minded people um, or try to engage in the art of persuasion and uh, let the folks with the best facts and the best logic and the best reasoning prevail. Well, thank you, Trey, for that point and those good questions. And thank you, Steve, for your question. We'll answer more of your questions when we come back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Our last question is from Andrea in Florida. She writes, why did the FBI go after Fortenberry? Why has he been targeted? And this follows your Sunday show where you spoke on that. Yeah, Fortenberry being Congressman Jeff Fortenberry from Nebraska, I did speak on that, and I confessed uh, Sunday night, and I will do it again uh, here, that I, you know, I don't like when people are biased and don't tell you they're biased. Mm -hmm. um, I am biased. I do not have a lot of objectivity when it comes to this, um, number one, because Jeff was a colleague, a client, uh, was and remains a friend. Um, that doesn't mean I'm not capable of, of analyzing the facts in a dispassionate way. It just means I need to let you know up front that I am biased towards Jeff Fortenberry. I, I know him. Um, his big issue in Congress was religious freedom, and that was like nobody else's big issue. Well, that's not true. There may have been five people that would cite that as their number one issue, but while people are all talking about taxes or the border or crime, Jeff's big issue was people um, from around the world who were being persecuted as a result of their religious beliefs, and in particular, Christians that were being persecuted. So, you know, most of the articles, when the news first broke, they referred to him as an obscure congressman or not well-known. That may be true to the outside world, because he wasn't on television a lot. He didn't walk around with makeup, looking for a camera. Um, he was all about work. 
Um, but, um, you know, the question is, why did the FBI? I, I have no idea. You, you have to ask the FBI. And look, it's not just the FBI. The FBI in and of itself uh, can't prosecute anybody. It has to be a combination of federal agents and federal prosecutors. And you know, we give them awesome powers. We give awesome, awesome powers to federal law enforcement and prosecutors. And while most are very good stewards of that power, all are not. So, you know, when I hear people talking about you got to change this and got to change that, it's not always a policy issue. Sometimes it's a personnel issue. Sometimes the policies are fine. You just got the wrong people implementing the policies. But when you think about the power to take your freedom and the power to take your reputation and the power to take your retirement, your job, to separate you from your family, those are awesome powers. And with those come awesome responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And prosecutors, and I know because I used to be one, they, they play a tremendous role because they can serve as a check or a sounding board or whatever phrase you want to use, they're the keepers. They're supposed to be the keepers of what is fair and just. And that does not mean cops and federal agents are not also fair and just. It means the prosecutor doesn't work for them. The prosecutor does not work for law enforcement. I did not work for the FBI. I did not work for my sheriffs. You work for a blindfolded woman holding a set of scales. But there are prosecutors who, like politicians, uh, want fame and they want notoriety and they want to be able to say they prosecuted a congressman. And that's that's human nature. That That's the problem with human nature. So what is the solution? The solution may very well be different policies, um, but the solution also is better human nature. Uh, we need law enforcement, but they need to know that they will be held to exacting standards and mm -hmm. There's an entity called the Inspector General for the Department of Justice. Obviously, it doesn't get a ton of attention. Uh, it's run by a guy named Michael Horowitz, uh, who does not seek attention. In fact, he runs away from it. Uh, I met Michael Horowitz. You know, Michael Horowitz did the exact same thing. That's, uh, that just dawned on my head, and it's uncanny. The very first time I met Michael Horowitz, he did the very first. He did the same thing I did when I started this question, this answer. He said, you need to know that I, that he had a friendship with somebody that I was not particularly happy with at the time. Mm -hmm. It was a DOJ official that I thought had not done a great job with what he was supposed to be doing. And I'd been pretty tough on him and I was in Congress and I never in a million years would have known that Horowitz worked with him or had any kind of friendship or relationship at all. Never would have known it. But those were the first words out of Michael Horowitz's mouth. You need to know that I worked with X. Mm -hmm. I doubt that I'm ever going to be able to sit down. I mean, I'm not going to be able to sit down if I were in Congress. I guess I could, but it ain't worth going back to do that. So mm -hmm. I'm not going to be able to sit down with Michael and discuss this case with him, but I would like to. Uh, I'd like to because maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe he's going to see something. Maybe he's going to say, you know what, Trey, this issue's closer than you think it is. You know, maybe you should rethink this. Or maybe, maybe he's going to say, you're right. Um, he was singled out. He was treated in a way that no one should be treated. I don't just mean congressmen. I mean, no one should be treated. The bottom line as it relates to 
uh, Jeff Fordenberry is after a lengthy investigation and trial, the judge sentenced him to exactly zero seconds in jail. Zero, mm-hmm. not one. I never, ever had a case where a judge sentenced someone after a trial to no time. None. You can take from that what you may. Um, I, I think, well, I'll just end by saying this. We give awesome, awesome powers. You talk about the power to take someone's freedom, to take their reputation. And if Fortenberry were on this call with us right now, he would say, Trey, I would serve 10 years in prison to have my name back. Mm-hmm. It's the reputation that matters the most to Jeff. He would, he would spend 10 years in a federal prison to have his reputation back. But uh, you, uh, you know, I'd love to talk to Horowitz. I'd love to find out why they waited, you know, 10 minutes, I mean, 10 months to go administer uh, a memory test to Jeff. I'd love to know why they waited for Bill Barr to leave and uh, President Biden's attorney general to come into power before they made these decisions. I'd love to know all of that, but I don't know that I ever will. He's got good lawyers. He's got a very good appellate lawyer. We'll see how it all turns out. But the bottom line, uh, Andrea, is we give them awesome powers. When people don't do the right thing, it doesn't always mean the policy needs to change. Sometimes it means the people need to change. And that's the one thing, that's the one variable that is that that we've got to find a way to, to kind of supervise, and that is human nature. So um, we shall see what happens on appeal. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm dead wrong. Maybe the appellate courts conclude X, but I have really, really high expectations of federal law enforcement and federal prosecutors. I don't know any FBI agents that would have conducted themselves like this. And I darn sure don't know any federal prosecutors uh, that would have, um, that would have acted like this. And I did not and would not when I was there. Well, thank you so much, Trey, for your insight and your thoughtful answers. We really appreciate it. And thank you to our listeners for all your questions. Yeah, thank you, everyone. Keep them coming. And uh, those were heavy today. I got they were. Yes, sir. I got a question about what was my favorite country in Europe on television show. And I got a country question about what was my favorite ice cream. And I managed to answer both of those in about 15 or 20 minutes. So I, I can, I can give really short answers if it's not like, but you know, what's causing the division in our country and how to, how to reconcile these divides that, that that's a he- that's a deep heady question. And it mm-hmm. requires more than short shrift when you answer it. It does. It makes me think of the debates that we have sometimes, sometimes we don't have enough time for those answers. So I'm glad that in this platform, you have enough time to answer these types of questions that we get. Yeah. What was that line from the Count of Monte Cristo, the guy that ran the Chateau Diff? He said, I have all the time in the world. Um, yeah, I, I do not have all the time in the world and neither, neither do our <laughs> listeners. So I will not act like the prison warden in the Chateau Diff and say, <laughs> I have all the time in the world because I don't. Hmm. We'll keep that in mind. Thank you, Trey. All righty. Thank you all. We'll see you next week. Y'all have a great week. Appreciate it. Have a great week.
It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox.